Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I hope everybody in the back, can you hear me okay? Can you hear me loud and clear? Okay, good. So um, I'm going to just talk for a brief moment uh, before we get to our special guest. Oh, wow, that was right. <laughs> that wasn't ready for that. <laughs> um, we're going to have our presentation, and then afterwards, hopefully, we'll have time for a Q&A. Now, we are recording this for our podcast, so if we do have time for a Q&A, we really want to be able to hear your questions. So we are going to have the microphone set up over here, and we may ask you to come up and speak into the microphone, or we will bring the microphone to you, okay? We just want to make sure everybody's thoughts and questions are heard loud and clear. So I'm going to turn the mic over right now to Dr. Elaine Wright. She is a professor at Brescia, and she is going to introduce our special guest. So once again, thank you guys for joining us tonight, and I hope you have a great time. Hello, everyone. Thank you all for coming out. There's a lot of good energy in this room tonight. I think it's an auspicious moment. I first of all just want to thank the library for making this possible. We had short notice that Searing was going to come here, and I really appreciate their efforts and all of you all to show up so quickly. I particularly want to thank Lisa Baden for her efforts to make this happen. It's, it's been a wonderful opportunity. We also have Wesley Johnson running our tech over here, and we have Morgan Williams who's helping out as well. It, it takes a team to make it happen, and we really appreciate it. I want to also tell you that if tonight is not the end for you and you just want a little bit more presentation, we have an event tomorrow at Brescia. It's at 4 o'clock and it'll be 4 to 5.30. Saring's going to present on mindfulness and compassion and we'd love for all of you all to come there too. It's in our Taylor Lecture Hall. If you don't know where that is, it's in our science building right off of Frederica. Now I'm going to share with you a bio for Saring and then he will take over after that. But this is Venerable Sering Ponsak. I will call him Sering, he's a dear friend of mine. He joined the monastery at the age of 12. He's a little bit older than me. <laughs> so we've lived half our life. And he has studied traditional Tibetan Buddhist scriptures, ritual practices, meditations, retreats, philosophy, as well as English and Hindi. But I can tell you he speaks English, Hindi, Nepali, Sherpa, and Tibetan, and probably some others mixed in there. He has received many tantric empowerments and sutra teachings from His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, and other high lamas. Fifteen years ago, he was appointed by the abbot of his monastery to introduce Tibetan culture, monastic life, and dharma to students from around the world. And those have mostly been from the United States and European countries. They come through university exchanges and study abroad programs. These students come to learn Tibetan culture, mindfulness, and Buddhism. But they also participate in volunteer activities with the local people, local Indian communities, and Tibetan refugees. About a decade ago, Sering received permission to travel to Europe and the USA to come share Tibetan culture and Buddhism. And he has come to Kentucky every one of those years. But this time, he is coming to Owensboro to stay for this amount of time with us and hopefully, we will have him keep coming back. Now he travels part of the year, as in this, but he spends the other half of the time in Nepal, where his family hosts international guests and students for tours and programs, 
on Sherpa, Himalayan, Tibetan, and Nepali cultures and spirituality. He has worked on many public health and water projects for his monastery and Tibetan refugees. He has co-founded Udithra Ojala Pratistan Foundation, which means rise and shine. And it's for natural disaster relief for monastic schools and public schools in the Solu Kumbu region, which is where Mount Everest is. And that's in Nepal. And so, Serene, I want to welcome you to Once for All. I really appreciate you being here and spending thank you. your time with us. Thank you so much. Thank, uh, you. thank you for your I would like to show my greetings to the organizer here. At first, this is very traditional Tibetan greetings. Uh, thank you for inviting and organizing You're this welcome. event for, for us. Thank you. Rashi the Lake. Thank you. So, <clears throat> I just said her, Tashi Delik, that's how you greet people in Tibetan language. When you go to Tibet, Nepal, the Himalayan areas, even in the valley or the city, wherever Himalayan Buddhist people are. And also for Himalayan parts of the India, Bhutan, uh, we use this word Tashi Delik. So meaning of Tashi Delik is auspicious happiness. If you want to translate all meaning of Tashi Delik, Tashi means auspicious, De means happiness, Lek means good, auspicious good happiness. And this word can be used in the morning, during the day, at noon, or even in the evening, at night, even at the middle of night. And anytime, there's no time. You can use it anytime. But in Tibetan language, we also have good morning, good day, good afternoon, and good night like that. It would be a little complicated, but if you know this word, the Tashi Delik, it covers all. <laughs> so. Okay. So I want to I wanted to uh Say greetings in my own language, Tashi Direct to all of you. So, <clears throat> since I'm living with this diverse culture and religious tradition, both India and Nepal, we have also uh, different language. If you go, if you live in India, among the Hindu people. The national language of India is Hindi. So to say greetings in Hindi is Namaste. So Nama means the bowing or truth. Oh, Satya means the truth. So Nama means the bowing. I am bowing to truth. That's how you greet people. You can use this word in the morning, during the day, at night, any times. Okay. Namaste. So if you go to Nepal, you can also use this word in Nepal because both 
Nepali and uh, Hindi language came from the Sanskrit. It's like Italian and Spanish, I think. Same letter, but same root, but they have some extra local language and some, some differences. So you can say Namaste, Namaste in Nepal also, or Namaskar to greet people. Okay, it is very important word. If you just say that among the Tibetan people, among the Himalayan and Tibetan people, Tashi Delek, they would think you know all Tibetans. <laughs> but you have to pretend, pretend that you know all. Yeah. And they will welcome you very well. And if you say Namaste, both Nepal and India, and they know that they would think that you know all Hindi and Nepali. So, so sometimes when you go to India, you know there's no a, a, a retail price for the things. Sometimes they charge ten times more if you're a tourist. So, if you say Namaste, that they, they oh he must been he, he must been already in India for a long time, so he would know. Like okay, so yeah, this is a little joke, but <coughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, so, <clears throat> so I'm here to share some of the things I know. When people from America or Europe comes to India or Nepal, when they do some entertainment, and we all gather and see, wow, we get so excited. You know, some, sometimes there are people come from 10 balls on their hand and they're <gasps> We cannot do this, you know, we get shocked. And sometimes people come like this, like, like this, I don't know, we, we can't do this, you know, some sort of, I don't know, maybe it's a healing or I don't know. Sometimes they paint all body in white, sometimes looks a little bit naked and we all stare, you know. <laughs> so my entertainment would be like that, you know, you can stare me. Okay, it doesn't matter. Okay, but this is part of the Tibetan chantings and very, very traditional. And I read the scriptures when uh, I'll be chanting. And this is the part of the healing and blessings, uh, part of the meditations and ritual for blessings and healing. And uh, this practice is called C-H-O-T, Chut, which means to cut in Tibetan. So what we need to cut and chop, chop or cut, So what we focus during this ritual to cut and chop is that our own ego. It is translated in English, cutting through the ego. So this practice is called chu, which means cutting through the ego. So Buddha says, all the problems we face in our lifetime, and we also share the problems among our family, the friends, and society is because of our big ego. And that has to be chopped and cut. So you'll be happy, and your families will be happy, and your society and the world will be happy because of your presence, like that. So this practice is very much related to mind training. And this practice is also part of the giving and the generosity. 
So during this practice, we visualize our own body, physical body, as a feast and offering to entire sentient beings. Because of that, this is the part of the generosity, part of the giving through our visualizations to train our mind so we'll be uh, physically able to give when there is a need. So if my brother or sister or parents need a kidney replacement, kidney trans how do you call it? transfer? Transfer, transfer. Then if I have this training, since I've been visualizing for a long time, I would not mind to give my own kidney to save the life of my parents or the brothers and sisters and friends. But if I do not have these visualizations and someone need in my families and friends, I cannot give my kidney to save his or her life like that. So it's sort of like mind training. So one day we'll be able to give our own physical body to needy one like that. Okay. Uh, so, I'm now going to start. Uh, but this practice is also practiced by hermits. Hermits, those who do not uh, belong, do not have any material possessions, only lives in the rock or tent, very isolated way. Then they do not have anything, they will live in a very simple way and their, their, their food is also very simple. One of the great practitioners in Tibetan Buddhist tradition called Mila Repa, M-E-L-A-R-A-P-A, -A, he was great hermit who attained enlightenment within one lifetime in Tibet. And he also traveled. If you go to Nepal, there is a cave where he spent a lot of time uh, uh, doing meditations. So he was great hermits, and there are so many hermits in the cave and in the tent. So this practice is also for hermits, mainly practiced by hermits. So oftentimes, whenever you're doing meditations and prayers, we focus about sentient beings and their needs. What is the need of sentient beings? Main need is the happiness and peace. But sometimes this is not enough. They also need food and drinks. To give that, you visualize your own body as a nectar to cover all sentient beings as a food and drinks and clothing like that during this ritual. But this is also practiced at the monastery by monks and nuns not only monks and nuns, this is also practiced by lay people. Don't have to be monks and nuns. It is very popularly practiced in Himalayan area, both by lay people and monks and nuns and hermits. And this is practice used for death ritual, blessing rituals, or healing rituals, or just to have fun. <laughs> Today, some of you might have little fun. Some of you may get bored. I have no, no guarantee. <laughs> so, okay. Okay, 
my job today is just to present, so it's okay. Whatever you feel is okay, okay? Don't mind. Okay, I'm going to start before I waste my time. You may also have questions, and Dr. Ellen, who is a good friend of mine, asked me to speak about my life and Tibetan culture. So this is part of the Tibetan culture and Tibetan religion and tradition. So I'm already talking. So I cover one part of this topic. <laughs> okay, so thank you. Hope you'll enjoy it, okay? If you do not, then you can feed me a cup of coffee. I'll do it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll do better when I have more coffee. <laughs> they just give me water, so this is not enough to do better. <laughs> Very miser. <laughs> that was a joke, joke. Anyway. Okay, I'm going to start. Sanjay Sem Kando Nato 
Rasim Chikung was a tension bit of a lama and a lasso one day. Ishiranzaiju Oh, I 
Dendembenzo Jumbokanda Kuzejanzentenjuruji Thank you. In Christian tradition, you say Amen, yeah? Amen. amen. <laughs> so many men. <laughs> Sorry. Less women. <laughs> okay, anyway. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Okay, so. Now I think I can stand, so you can see. Uh, um, if I do with this the chanting, uh, standing, I look a little crazy, so I need to sit down. <laughs> yeah, but we do have some uh, rituals that we stand and do dancing, but this is not part of that. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, of course, we have some dancing, but you need several people to do this. Like this. Okay. Anyway, now, uh, Ellen has to remind me what I should speak. She told me some of you don't like it, so she has to say, tell me to say nice things. Jokers. Actually, we can ask questions. Really? Yeah. Okay, That's sure. Good. Yeah, that was good. She changed it, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. Would there be any 
questions you have for Sering? Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel? <laughs> that, that was my first question. What is your feeling? <laughs> now you're asking me. No? So let me repeat the question for the recording. How, what is the feeling that you have, or are you reading, and what are the instruments that you have with you? And what are you saying? Okay. What are you saying? Could you? Oh, there. Yeah, could you translate for us, please? Wow. <laughs> Big job. <laughs> Big job, okay. <laughs> okay, anyway. You saw me chanting. You saw me playing drum and bell. That's what I was doing. <laughs> Everybody saw it. What were you asking for? I was asking, I was chanting for you. Uh, joke. I can t uh, tell a little bit about this. Uh, so, I was reciting Tibetan scriptures. We have uh, four different denominations or orders in Tibetan Buddhist traditions. And these scriptures is in Tibetan, but came from Nyingma tradition, which is oldest Tibetan Buddhist tradition. Started around 7th or 8th century. And this text is part of the hidden treasure. It's not written by some, some wise or talented person. It just came directly from Buddha and great master, Padmasambhava. And he, he had to hide in a special place so it will be safe and people who want to uh, learn or meditate and understand they will discover it. The one person will discover and share with the people with the interest. So that's the hidden treasure practiced by Nyingma order. So that's the hidden tre treasure text written. I mean, uh, in Tibetan, I recited, you know, the lineage, lineage. Lineage actually came from women, the Yishi Sojala, who was a great master and disciple of Padmasambhava the Indian master who came to Tibet to establish Buddhism and build first monastery in Tibet called Samye. Samye, that was the first monastery in Tibet. So Yishi Sojal was one of his closer disciples of him. And this text was, you know, I don't know this text was uh, discovered by her. Okay, anyway, and we have a lineage holder master, and we have a different master in Nyingma order. So this lineage holder master is Dunjum Rinpoche, who was like a pope in Nyingma tradition. And later, I received this transmission from his own son, <coughs> Dungse Tinle Nirbu Rinpoche, who lived in California for a long time and has many American disciples. I received these transmissions in Nepal, one of the nunnery, and we had to receive this at night time after 12 o'clock. So this is very special and very uh, sacred uh, ritual and text. So that was the uh, ritual. And this, is, this particular ritual is, as I mentioned earlier, for healing and blessings. 
and world peace also. Since, so you are talk, you are asking me what I was thinking. So, I was thinking to uh, bring some kind of blessings, praying through Buddha and Padmasambhava and Isisoyal and my own master, Dungse Tilenuburubuche, to share with you so you can feel that as a healing and blessings. So I don't have any energy, but I can ask from my masters and lineage holder masters and the Buddha. So sort of like a connecting the wire towards to you to feel that. So that's what, yes, I think. Did you connect? Did you try to connect? Okay, so if you try to connect, I tried, but if you try not to connect, then it doesn't work. So that's the devotion. Your wire is devotion. Okay. And the light you have is peace. When there is light, there is happiness. No. When it, there is a dark, there is no so much happiness. So we are using light because we all want to be happy. So this is external light and internal light we need is our devotion and faith towards the reality and truth that we experience and that we see in, in our lifetime. Yeah, so this is the light which can bring you peace and happiness inside you. But Buddhism is not followed by faith and some kind of blind faith, but it goes through investigation and analysis for years and years. Then if you find some truth, then you're supposed to follow it. It is advice of the Buddha himself to, to his disciples not to follow anything said by him by faith and some kind of respect. But of course, we do have faith and devotion, particularly this type of practice in Tantra. Without devotion and faith, you cannot have peace inside and you are always in stress. Okay? So you have to create insight that type of devotion, which is like a light. And when other light comes to you to connect with your wire and makes brighter and brings more peace, the source, the seed of the light and wire you already have inside. But when you connect with the powerful light, it becomes brighter. That light is the Buddha nature we all have. We all sentient beings, not necessarily human beings, but including little insects and animals and birds. Even the negative spirit, such as evil spirit and demon has this kind of light inside, but it is hidden like cloud, uh, hides the sun and we, we don't feel the sun like that. We all have that according to Buddha. It is called Buddha nature. Seed of the awakening, seed of enlightenment that we all hold. It is just that we don't know it such as like if we have a big treasure, maybe kerosene or gasoline or some diamond under this earth and if this is my house when economies goes down then I feel very poor but if I know that I have a I have a diamond or some mining 
under my house. I can dig it and sell it to company or the shop. I can be richest. Similarly, we have that innate nature by the birth from beginningless time, but we don't know that. Similarly, we don't know what we have, the treasure we have under our house, and we still feel poor, and we tell people we're poor. And you feel the poor poverty. But if you know that you have that treasure under your house, doesn't matter economy is growing or growing up or down. Doesn't affect you because you know that treasure is here. Right? So similarly, your Buddha nature, the nature of awakening is already there, but we just don't know because our cloudy ignorance. We don't have that wisdom to know that we have this potential, that the, the innate nature inside us, then we also don't think, don't value others because they also hold this treasure. And we think, oh, they're nothing. But they're also special. Every and each people not necessarily people, also sentient beings, such as insects, birds, animals, even the ghost has this hidden treasure. But because of our own ignorance, we look different, and we insult, we blame, and sometimes we blame ourselves. Like I can say that I'm very poor, I cannot do anything like that. It is because of not knowing your own treasure inside your your heart. Okay. Okay. Now, finish. This is what <laughs> hidden treasure is. <clears throat> One hidden treasure is already here. Hidden treasure is a tax also. And hidden treasure is the mining, such as gold, copper, diamond, so many hidden treasures. Minerals, like that. Okay. Now, <clears throat> When I recite it, there are words to visualize the masters and the deities, manifestations of the Buddha, and sentient beings that we want to give our light and happiness. So that's what we visualize. So I, am, I was doing in front of you, but that's only around maybe 100 people. I didn't count, maybe less, okay? And there are countless sentient beings that they also need the light and blessings and healing. In Buddhist tradition, we only not count the nearest and dearest, but we also count. We also include those who do not, whom you do not see and with whom you do not feel, whom you do think they are different. And that's the way to practice Buddhism. And it is called bodhicitta. Bodhi means the enlightenment, Buddhahood. Chitta means the heart, heart of the enlightenment, heart of the Buddha, like that. And we have to include that prayer at the beginning before we do, we use the drum and bells. We have to prepare our motivations. The purpose of doing chantings and prayer is not for this some amount of people, but for entire sentient beings, including, anim uh, including animals and enemies. Okay?
Monkeys, donkeys, everybody. Mon monkey, donkey, everybody. <laughs> so we all need uh, happiness. <laughs> so you thought that I was only feeling happiness, but I also include monkey. Monk, monkey, donkey, people, everybody. Okay. Uh, sure. And then I know we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the instruments too. Okay, sure. Thank you. I'm curious. A 12 year old boy decides to go to the monastery. Uh huh. How, how did you have the wisdom to know to go to the monastery at the age of 12? I, have no, I had no wisdom that time. I just like it. <laughs> like kids, like when they go to the shop, they like toys. And they ask parents to buy it. Was it an honor for your family for you to become a monastery? Yes, yes. And so was that part of it? Uh, it no. Was... No, I was just, it was just my interest. Interest to be, you know, to participate for ritual and learning this type of retreat, blessings, reading scriptures, rituals. That was my attractions. Okay, that's how I joined the monastery. Welcome. It's not, I didn't, uh, I didn't follow Buddha's word. He said to investigate for years and years and you follow, but I didn't do that. I just went through my blind faith <laughs> because my parents were Buddhist and our community was Buddhist and we do a lot of such rituals during the death and during the weddings and childbirth and blessings, moving the house like that. We're always doing this. Yeah. Uh, excuse me? You're welcome to come up here. Oh, thank you. How old was you Um, I was thinking, you know, from my childhood because I can see this kind of rituals and blessings, ceremonies. Since I, you know, opened my eyes, my parents would take to this ceremony and I was so attractive and I was so, you know, happy to learn. And my parents were okay when I stopped my school, age of 12, and I started to learn from a married master. Yeah, from our own village monastery, like that. Then I moved to another monastery uh, near Dharamsala, where His Holiness the Dalai Lama resides, and where his headquarters and the exile administration is. So I was not part of the His Holiness Dalai Lama's monastery, but it is closer about 70 kilometers from his own temple and the monastery. But I participated for his teachings and blessings and transmissions for many, many times. Yeah, I was, I was on, it was honor and it was, I'm, I feel very lucky. Yeah. One time His Holiness was in New Orleans. Tulane University invited him uh, during the commencement ceremony. And he did that in Superdome in New Orleans. So I was part of that. And I had this connection with Tulane for a long time. And so I met Tulane. That, yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Maybe next questions. Okay. Was there a moment you realized you achieved enlightenment? And were you able to maintain that? Uh, mm, 
if you uh, actually the, to attain the fully full enlightenment is not so easy. Buddha himself said in Sutra, we have a two parts, Sutra and Tantra. Sutra, if you follow Sutra way, the path of the Sutra, it, it takes three uncountable eons to three uncountable eons, not three years, three uncountable years, not three hours, okay, not three minutes, okay. Uh, but in Tantra, you can attain enlightenment in, within one lifetime or several lifetimes in Tantra because we have advanced training and meditations in Tantra. Because of that, you are able to attain it. Like a Milarepa, I was just telling you, he attained enlightenment within one lifetime, but he did very hard work because he didn't have iPad, no cell phone. <laughs> No Facebook. <laughs> His Facebook was rock. <laughs> and the meal was not cheese from Switzerland, cheese from Italy, or France, or Germany. No crawfish, no shrimp, or no french fry, like that. His food was nettle, stinky nettle, that grows in the Himalaya. The dish he has just was one clay pot to boil it. And that was his main food. So we need, if you do hard work, yes, there is a possibility. But if we are not so devoted and if we do not put maximum time for our practice, then enlightenment is little far than we hope. Okay. Sorry. Oh, yes. Can you tell us about your beads? Sure, why not? I saw three people uh, sitting in the same bench. They, they all three has, have uh, the beads. When I went to shake the hand, they all shake with their beads. So I was shocked. Oh, why these people? Are you Buddhist? Three people? Second? No? Are you Buddhist? Yes. Wow, thank you. Welcome. Okay. Okay, so I think if you go there and they will explain better because my English is poor to explain what I say and what I practice, but I will try my best to explain about the mala beads, okay? So this is called mala, M-A-L-A -A, mala. In, Tibet, uh, in uh, Sanskrit, this is also in Hindi and Nepali. Uh, mala, M-A-L-A, very easy. But in Tibetan called Tengwa, Tengwa or Tengma. It's similar like a rosary that is used by Christian, Christian tradition. And also Muslims, they have it, right, rosary. So we have 108 beats and it is like a counter. How many mantras? Mantras, is, mantras are like a prayers. How many prayers you did in a day or while you're doing? It's just like a counter. So since it has 108, uh, we begin from this. This is called center of the mala. We also call leader of the mala. And this also represents the Buddha and your own master. 
So you start from here, and one of the common mantra or prayer is uh, developing compassion and wisdom in your own heart. So you'll be able to share with your friends and families and pets and community and entire sentient beings. This mantra is called uh, mantra of Avalokiteshvara Shwara, the Buddha of compassion. Okay. So if you want to know, I can recite Om Mani Padme Hum. That's the mantra. Om Mani Padme Hum. So Mani means the jewel, which represents the compassion. The Padma means the lotus, which represents the wisdom. Wisdom. So wisdom and compassion has to go together. In Sutra is inseparable. Inseparable. In Tantra is indivisible. One. Wisdom and compassion. And you recite over and over. Over and over. So when you arrive here. So you have done 108. So what you said is that I want to grow wisdom and compassion in my heart. So I will be able to share with others. And I want also I want everybody to discover this because we all want the happiness and that's the that's like a way or path or tools to discover happiness inside. So diamond is such the stone or some material that cuts everything. So the compassion cuts all the negative emotions and negativities inside you and outside. The negativities is your own negative emotions and actions. The actions actually comes from negative emotions. That's why Buddha says suffering, it has a cause. You try to take out the cause if you do not want to suffer. When you're trying to take out the causes of the suffering, and that is your path, you are trying, you are following. Four Noble Truths, suffering, cause of suffering. The path, trying to rid of it, the causes of suffering. And once you rid of it from the root, everything that is nirvana, peace, and sometimes you can call enlightenment. And that's how we... So when you say, sort of like a wishing to, wishing to, sort of like a wish, and from the heart. So when you want to act verbally, verbally and physically, you need a wish to do it. So you are preparing, you're creating wish, so you can be active verbally and physically to share the compassion and wisdom towards your families, friends and community and societies and the world and entire sentient beings. And that's what we say over and over. And when you see someone that look different than you, so you don't have any bitterness inside you. You still feel compassionate towards the person or any animals whom you meet. Some people used to think that, 
oh, I don't like rats. I don't like a cockroach because they look awkward. <laughs> Sorry. But according to Buddha, they all have a feeling and they are also seeking happiness on food because according to Buddha, we, we are not supposed to say that if you do not like any animals or people like that. We're supposed to share, we're supposed to uh, have a wish to discover their own wisdom and compassion inside them because they also have it. The nature of enlightenment, nature of awakening. They, we sleep, we all sleep, and we all wake, awake. Like that, awakening. Buddhahood. According to Buddha, as I mentioned earlier, even little insects and ghosts and spirit and animals and birds, insects, all they have this innate nature of awakening. But because of our projection and ignorance makes you look them different. Like that. Okay. okay. Do we have another question? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Something different. So like we're asking when you're using the beads, is wow. it like the rosary is different. Yeah. When you get to a different separation, you're supposed to say different prayers. No, you can so say one prayer over and over and a thousand times, millions. Sometimes we have commitment to recite millions of times. Sometimes at least hundred thousand times. Oh, money payment. You can do it. this. Is really good. Are the prayers that you say on that similar to what Catholics and others believe in the rosary? So are the prayers said with the mala beads similar to the rosary prayers? I, similar I, to the rosary prayers. They're similar? No, that's it's your question, correct? Yeah, I wonder, okay. are, are there any relation? Because I'm Catholic and I have a rosary at home too, mm -hmm. and I thought that maybe it's similar in the beliefs, but just different prayers. Yeah. If you could repeat the questions. Okay, um, your question is, the Catholic used the rosary, and in Buddhist, we use the mala beads, which is like a rosary. Is it the same prayers we recite, both Catholic and Buddhist? I would say, same, same, but different. <laughs> we say that a lot in India. <laughs> so same, but a little different. Now you say in English, we say in Tibetan, and we do for same purpose. We, it has the same purpose, though, right? Of course, because... Uh, the Catholic Christian tradition, I participated in many churches and participated in retreat, and I have so many friends, part of the, most of my hosts are Catholic here, and they're not Buddhist. So when I hear their prayers, recently I was in Episcopal Church in the Sunday school, I was speaking, and later I joined to a service on Sunday. And whenever I go to the church, they give me a book, and it looks very similar what we say in Tibetan, I mean, in our Buddhist prayer. So I think you count the God, name of the God, right? How many times you count? Ten, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Can you repeat that? Because I, re I, re I recited mine in, in Om Mani Padme Hong. Can you re recite yours, please? Um, no, uh, my mother, or actually my grandmother, did it religiously. I, I, I haven't learned it all yet. Uh -huh. I just know that. Said, we, we got four prayers and we repeat it. Ten times, I think. Okay, that's good. It's sort of like a, yeah, 
um, the mantra, mantra that Omani Padme Hum we recite, we have also thousands of different mantras. I just said one to you, Omani Padme Hum. It is the mantra or prayers of the Buddha of compassion, right? So it's sort of like a, uh, and it has a ri, some, the syllable that makes other syllable grow. So that syllable is the heart of the Buddha of compassion or particular Buddha that you're reciting. So when you say this, it's sort of like calling the name of the different manifestation of the Buddha, like a Christian <coughs> tradition, right? But different is that uh, in Buddhist tradition, even that syllable is not the permanent. I mean, it's not the, mm, not the, how do you call, in, do not have inherent existence. Inherent existence is just the light. Where the Christian tradition may believe is solid, right? So that's a little bit of philosophical differences, but the goal is same to give peace and happiness to others and and you for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What's this? Oh Thank you very much. Thank you. Excuse me. That's good. I think that's a Japanese prayer, Japanese mantra. Uh, I think they're same, uh, saying the same thing like a Omani Padme Hong. About. That's good, yeah. Very good. Thank you. For, I, have, yeah. I need to learn that one. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yes? Uh, uh, what advice can I give to the people? To the people who chase after more possessions, uh -huh. what advice can you give them? Donation. <laughs> you can just repeat questions. Thank you. Donation. It covers all. What is the time now? <laughs> 10 after 8. Okay, 10 after 8. I keep mine a little fast. Okay. So when, whenever uh, I'm traveling, I don't have exact time, exact schedules. But most of the time, I don't have activities after 10, even when I'm traveling. Uh, but it, unless I'm flying, it took almost 40 hours to get from Nepal to, you know, here. That includes all flight connections hours, okay. So, that's sort of the schedules, you know, flying and waiting the next flight like that. But when I get here, when I've been, I speak in different college, university, library, churches, like that. So, most of the time, it starts uh, after nine. If I'm speaking at the college, it's always after nine. And uh, yeah, and I have a three or four schedules, four talks a day, sometimes 
this one, sometimes, no. So I have a free time. So I don't have any schedules. And I talk with my families in Nepal and some in India, and time is different, almost 12 hours different. And they, don't, they, want, they love sleeping. <laughs> if I call them, uh, you know, during the day here, they will be sleeping. But they call me when I am sleeping <laughs> at 12 or 1 o'clock. So once I start conversation with some family members, it goes hours and hours, two hours, three hours, you know, like that. And I'm sort of like a manager of my family members because I have many children, part of the families, and sort of like a responsibilities to manage and take care of them. So then I have to talk to them, right? Then I love talking. So I'm enjoying talking with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so once I start, I, I love talking. Anyway, uh, so my daily activities here is, yeah, I already mentioned. We do retreat sometime, uh, day retreat, several hours retreat, few days retreat in Louisiana. Maybe we can do here in future if you would, if you would like. And uh, I do mantras. I just said Omani Padme Hong whenever I get a time. I tried to do a little bit here. I was a little shy to show my mala bit, but I was trying to do uh, because sometime when I was in Germany in 2009, I was there for 20 days, and my host friend brought me from Frankfurt to Berlin. No, no, Cologne by Frankfurt to Cologne. Cologne, Cologne, where they have a very holy church. Yeah, Cologne. Almost like a four hours one, one way by train. And I can see people not talking each other. This looks very stressful sitting this way four hours. And it's a seat like in the front and we're this way and there are people not talking. I, I feel a little awkward. Like you feel awkward with a rat and <laughs> croft, I mean, cockroach. <laughs> I told my friend, okay, and I have all this, this uh, mala bits, rosary, to do some prayers whenever I have a time. And I started to recite a little chanting, you know, a little bit louder way. And I, we were so friendly with my friend, and I told him, don't you feel bored because it's four hours distant and you're just so quiet. and People in the front is not talking to us. And, oh no, you can do it, but we cannot say prayers. Some people may think that you are crazy. If you, <laughs> if, if you, if you move your lip. <laughs> so they think that you're talking yourself. We just read in a one Facebook, I, I, hope, I, have, I hold this, what is called genius? And the people who talk themselves? Oh, it's a genius. Genius. We just read hour before. So people, whoever talks uh, themselves, is a genius. <laughs> so, it, was a, it was a Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> but some may think that you're crazy. So, you know, so we try to save uh, ourselves. Uh, so, anyway, this is a little story. Um, yeah, sometimes I feel very shy if I'm doing 
using malabits in front of the people. Uh, so, but at home, when I'm in the room or in the car or the airplane, this is my main practice, easy and main practice that I, if you ask me what is your practice, this is my practice, mantras, prayers. And I don't need timing. Sometimes I fall with these mala bits on, you know, you know, sometimes if I'm sitting on the bed uh, at night before I go to bed, and oftentimes I f fall in sleep with the mala bits. So my mala is sometimes here, under my cheek, sometimes under my arm, sometimes on the rib, and I get a free tattoo. <laughs> Organic tattoo. Okay, no, no money. <laughs> Sering, perhaps you could tell them what it's, the schedule might be if you lived in the monastery. Okay, thank you. I think I was going too too far. I suppose. Elaine <laughs> <laughs> is very kind to remind me this time. Okay. You'd get bored if I tell the monastic schedule, monastic life. That's why we don't have many people from America and Europe joining in the monastery because it's not so easy. Your food is very simple, your living room is so simple, but you have a lot of activities. We have a children sometimes. My nephew was only two and a half years old when he joined the monastery, and he has to follow all the rules. That is followed by adult, and the food you get is same that 80 years old monk get, same like that. Simple living, high thinking. Okay, anyway, some monastery, they have a rules to get up early morning, four in the morning. And our monastery has a rules to get up five in the morning. There is a bell. After bell, you're supposed to, if we have a four different sections, school sections, which is eight years, where you learn Tibetan letters, Tibetan writings, Tibetan readings, scriptures, English reading and writings, math, Hindi, and sculpting, art, drawing, and some ritual dancings, history in Tibetan, like that. Grammars, Tibetan grammars, like that, eight years. So if you're part of the school, you go to the big hall, you do around 15 minutes prayers, then it would be part of your class till 6.30, 5 to 6.30, which is uh, reading the scriptures, making skills to read faster, 6.30. And we also have a philosophical section, which is nine years. After you graduate from eight-year school, you can join to nine years philosophy. And there, you are also going to wake up five in the morning. Some of them wake three in the morning, but you must wake up five in the morning. This is the rules of the monastery. Then, if you're part of the philosophical sections, you, you just study at, in your own room. The, your study would be memorizing philosophical text till 6.30. And we also have another sections. It's called ritual sections. Who would go to the temple in the main service hall with the statues? And they will do the rituals with the music. It is part of the rituals and part of the blessings and prayers. 
And many people in our community, they contribute some donations, asking prayers, prayers for their families and the death and for their business like that. So we cover those monks who, who are part of the rituals. They will do prayers and also for world peace. Their job is to go to the main temple and lead the chantings and prayers till 6.30. That's, that's the activities of the ritual sections. And we have a meditation sections. We have a 10 months meditations continuously 10 months meditations goes through 100,000 prostrations and 100,000 prayers of the confessions. 100,000, uh, it's called mandala offering for good creating, accumulating good karma, 100,000 like that. And 100,000 guru yoga, visualizing your own master as a Buddha. Okay. So we have a 500,000. You can finish in a 10 months. That is part of the meditation and retreat. But we also have three-year retreat. And you can continue three years, six years, 12 years, 20 years, 30 years, all whole life. We have these sections, meditation sections. But if you're part of the meditation sections, they would wake up in the morning, 3.30, because they have a lot to do, a lot to finish, recitations, meditations, rituals like that. So if you're part of the meditation and retreat, you have a lot of activities and we, you wake up earlier than the other three sections. But we have a separate place where you do the retreat. But all these three different sections would also do a little bit of chanting, meditations like that. But as I mentioned earlier, we have a separate uh, meditation sections. So 6.30, we have a breakfast. Breakfast would be very simple. We used to feed roasted barley flour. Do you know that? Roasted barley flour. Roasted, but after that, grind it. It's not seed. Grind it with the salt and uh, tea. Milky salt tea. Okay, these two. But later, the monks did not like very much. The older senior monks would like, but this, this was the cultural and traditional food of Tibetan and Himalayan people. But now we are familiar with the other food, you know, because of that, the younger monks did not like very much that roasted barley. Now we try to make a big bread, sort of like a chapati. It goes with salt tea. So everybody, even if you are two years old, will get that and uh, you will either eat at the dining hall or take it to the room at 6.30. Breakfast, 6.30. Can you believe that? Can you eat breakfast, 6.30? I don't think so. Yeah, you're sleeping. Okay, anyway. I know some people do very hard work. They have to wake up 5 in the morning to catch, you know, go to work. So anyway, the 6.30 breakfast. After 7.30, we have a class. All these different sections, they have their own class. Then 10 o'clock tea break, sweet tea. Morning time, no sweet tea. 10 o'clock, sweet tea with the milk. Very good. Chai tea, it's called. But you say chai tea, chai and tea is same. Chai is Hindi, tea is English. But here you say chai tea. You get double. Okay. You get two cups, chai and tea. But 
chai is tea, tea is chai. Okay. So 10 o'clock, sweet tea, and we have 10 to 12, we have another class. If you're philosophy, we have different philosophical class. If you're school, we have a different school, you know. You're either English or mathematics or art or grammar or like that. If you're ritual sessions, then most of the time, morning and evening, only you do at the monastery, but oftentimes during the day, you're invited in the village to do services, blessings, death rituals, wedding rituals, childbirth rituals, just for blessings. And they're fed five times a day. They get lots of sweet tea and salt tea. <laughs> the cups, these cups are always filled with the tea or hot water or juice like that. They also get five times meal, delicious. Monastic, as I mentioned earlier, monastic food is very uh, simple. So 12, 12 o'clock, the meal you get is rice and lentil, dal. Sometimes rice and this mixed vegetable. Sometimes you get dumpling, steamed bread, and vegetable. Very simple. So in the morning when you get a bread, no peanut, no jelly. <laughs> Just like this. You have to chew. Sometimes it is like a leather. Uh, no, joke, joke. Softer, soft. Okay, anyway, 12 o'clock lunch. After 1 o'clock to 3, we have another class. 3 o'clock again, sweet tea. One mug or two mugs of sweet tea. Then 3.30 to 5, we have another class. 6.30 dinner. If you're part of the philosophy, then we have a debating class. That means you're discussing about Buddha's teachings, words, you can say, no, I believe this way, Buddha is wrong. You can say that in the class, because Buddha gave permission. Okay. So that goes 5 to 6.30. 6.30 dinner, and around 7.30 to 9.30, if you're part of the school, you have a class. So how many classes there? Did you count? <laughs> That's why I told you, you'll get stressful to hear, <laughs> hear the story of the monastery. If you're part of the philosophy, you have a class till 10.30. And some of the monks, they would stay till 1 o'clock because there's a lot to learn. And 5 o'clock, you have to wake up. But we do have a break on Sunday. If you're part of the philosophical sections, you're not allowed to go to the village to do blessings if someone invites you because you have a daily school. But Sunday, you're allowed to go. Reason why you go is some, you need some pocket money to recharge your phone, cell phone. <laughs> Everybody use cell phone, right? Or to go to the restaurant some, to find different food, right? <laughs> so, and also if you're part of the school, then you're allowed to go on Sunday outside if somebody is inviting you to do blessings because you, you are fed five times a day plus offering donations. Okay, then Saturday is half break. So Saturday we focus about cleaning, cleaning around the temple, the monastery, and also washing and cleaning our own room and clothing and showering. And Sunday sometime, some monks like to play cricket. <laughs> cricket is very popular both India and Nepal. Sometimes on Sunday, some, some monks who like the cricket, they are watching television for all day, the cricket. <laughs> you know? Okay. We have a television in the monastery. 
can you believe that? But till uh, there was a World Cup, football World Cup played by France. When was that? Around 90, 91, 95, I don't know. When France won the World Cup, you have to Google it. Anybody has iPhone, you can go. When France won the football World Cup, that's the time we started to have a television at the monastery. In our monastery, I don't know about other monasteries. They may still not have or they already have it. But I'm talking about our monastery. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Boring? No. Okay. Should I tell more? So those monks who goes to the <laughs> Sorry. Now she's getting she's Elaine says she's getting bored, so I have to stop I think. <laughs> stories at four o'clock tomorrow you can join us at Brescia I have a few flyers if you have folks you can share them with um, but we will we will be continuing the conversation specific to mindfulness and growing compassion in your daily life and we'd love for you to join us there um, but also to stay in touch so that hopefully you can be with us when we can bring Sering back thank you so much but Sering I think it's probably time okay for us thank to, you so much to say thank you good night thank you so much that they close in 30 minutes, so they're going to be cleaning up. We'll stick around for a little while, um, but we look forward to seeing you again soon.